Hey guys, welcome to another episode. Today's guest is one of my favorite nerds, the brilliant Eleni Thomas. All right, enjoy. This is it. Oh, 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 <laughs> Unless oh. you want to introduce no, yourself. No, that's chill. Okay. This is so chill. Do you want to? I mean, do you know who you are? Um, that's a really good question. Um, hi, my name's Eleni. Call me Len. Whoa. For the people at home. Um, um, and I go to afters. Nice. Students. No way. Yes. Afters, right? The the mecca of film learning. Yeah. In Australia. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, what can I say? I got in. Yeah. I don't know why I'm here. I mean, you got in your first time. Yeah, um, I applied, yeah, straight out of high school. Got in. Wasn't going to go. Was going to go to normal uni, normal school. And then I was like, fuck it, we ball. Mm. And now you're still bowling. Doubt. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I don't know, I like your idea about your short docker. My doco? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm currently in the process of writing a documentary with my friend, Sasha Belanovsky. She is a wonderful human. She's been one of my best friends for years. Um, she's Ukrainian-Australian. She um, moved here when she was nine years old. And um, last year, during the peak of the Ukrainian crisis, she um, went to Poland to do humanitarian aid at the camps. And she was mostly responsible for looking after children, uh, feeding families, things like that. And me and her have been talking a lot recently after doing a fundraising event last year for the Ukrainian Film School with Afters. Um, we've been talking a lot about um, her stories that she's gathered from her experience there and how she feels like that she wants to do something with it. And I, like, yeah, we just really wanted to work together. And so we're currently... Working on a documentary um, called Storytime about, um, that's from her perspective, recounting stories about children in the camps. Um, there's a few really powerful stories in there that are really heartbreaking. Um, and we're going to do it in like an animated medium, we think. So, yeah, we don't really want to deviate from the traditional war documentary, how many people really like to watch war documentaries these days. I feel like a lot of people have become desensitised to statistics and footage, but as soon as you hear the story about a little kid who um, lost his father and just draws pictures of soldiers and death all day, um, becomes real. So it's bigger than the both of us, it's bigger than all of us, and that's why we want to make it. That's my little spiel. Hopefully we'll get on SPS, manifesting. Oh, so, and like, I really like that you chose the animation medium for it. Yeah. Because it adds that extra element of, like, innocence. Mm, for sure. And, yeah, I think, especially during, you know, something as horrific as war, mm. it's really important that children are able to, like, retain that. Definitely. And we've also kind of framed it around the relationship between, like, objects and place. So, for example, a little, little spoiler, one of the stories is about um, a little boy... Um, in the camp and he drew pictures of all the different flags at the camps of all the volunteers who helped out 
um, at the camp from all over the world, like Japan, Canada, Australia. Um, so she has that drawing and she kept it. So we've kind of wanted to like replicate that naivety and yeah, that's kind of what we're going for with it. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a time, but I'm excited. Can I get a Big Mac? Okay. Do you like Big Macs? Um, I'm a triple cheeseburger kind of girl. Wow, okay. That's like really embarrassing, but I actually, no, I'm a nugget fiend. A nugget fiend? Nugget fiend. What sauce? Sweet and sour. What the oh, fuck? Okay. What Fair else? Enough. Oh, honey mustard guy. What did you say? Honey mustard. What did you say? Honey Cut? mustard. No. It's like two of the best flavors ever. No. Yes. I, okay. I hate honey. That's fine. I don't like honey. What is wrong with you? You hate tomatoes, you hate honey. Yes, I hate tomatoes, I hate honey. I'm not Greek. But you like mustard. Yeah, I like mustard, but why would you put honey in mustard? It ruins it. I think it's a juxtaposition. Fuck you. (laughs) Don't start that (laughs) shit. (laughs) I, no, not, that's not on. As long as you didn't say tomato sauce, that's chill. Oh, no, no, no. We're chilling. I mean, I don't even really like nuggets. What? If I had to, I would go with honey mustard, but I don't, I don't even really like chicken nuggets. Really? Yeah, they taste like deep fried grime. Yeah. They taste disgusting. Yeah. No. Like, it's like nothing. You're eating like crunchy nothing. Exactly. Crunchy and rubbery nothing. It's uh, ideal. Yeah. I think the texture more than like the fucking five day oil is what really just hurts me. <laughs> it's the two two neurodivergence bonding over <laughs> what textures fuck them up the most. Uh, Tomatoes for me. Can't yeah. Do that. Can't for do that shit. for years I like made sure not had not to have lettuce on anything. Really? Whenever I would order something I would be like, Hold the lettuce please. <laughs> okay. okay. I just couldn't. It was just No, was I, just understand. Unnecessary, I understand like crunchy you. nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even that nutritious. Um, I hate lettuce, so... I am just realising that I don't eat a lot of things. Oh, okay. I thought I was not a picky eater, but it really sounds like I am. <laughs> anyway. How long do you take to decide Um. what to eat? I mean, that's also an ADHD thing. I mean, yeah, it depends on the day. Because if, like, if I think in the morning, like, th- I'm going to do this thing today. I'm going to go eat this food. Yeah. And then that doesn't happen. It fucks up my whole day. Right. And then I just can't, like, eat anything. I can't do anything. Like, it ruins my day. Otherwise, if, like... Or, like, for example, if it's, like, randomly sprung on me, like, oh, we're going here. I'm like, what? 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 What, what? do you mean? I can't decide now. This is too late. I needed time to calculate my options. Unless but, you're, like, really hungry. Unless I'm starving. Then I'll literally eat anything. But not tomatoes. But, yeah. Nothing will get me to that point. Nothing. No, No little cry no little meltdown or ever gets me to the point of eating tomatoes do you cook um not often okay. i because um my grandma lived with me most of my life oh so yeah um until like a couple years ago she's not dead she's not dead she moved out but um just <laughs> she couldn't deal with you yeah <laughs> no I'm, uh, long family okay issues yeah but um yeah so she would cook for me a lot like growing up because i've lived with her since i was a baby and that's why I know Greek because she lived with me. Whereas she my cousins, talk in Greece. yeah, she yeah. Yeah, in Greece, Greece. <laughs> yeah, she, she would, would talk, talk in Greece. I would talk in Australia. Um, and 
Yeah, that's why I'm the only one of my first cousins who can understand Greek because she lived with me. Oh. So, yeah, I'm trying to learn Greek this year. Like, like most speaking, of your cousins don't? Um, my first cousins don't know. Oh, fuck. Which okay. is relate her relatives, like my mom's side. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to try learn because I think I'll pick it up easily because I understand fluently. It's just like she talks to me in Greek. I speak to her in English. Like, that's just how it's always been. But I need to put a little bit more effort in. I'm very conscious of that. Hmm. So, I'll get there, I think. Yeah. You must have really liked how they did that in Everything Everywhere All at Once then. Yeah, it was really... It was... Uh, it was so... Like, the blending of language was so clever and, uh, and articulate. And, and real. And real, exactly right. It wasn't like... Um, I don't know if you've seen those, like, shitty fanfiction memes where it's like... It's like someone says something in Spanish and then like oh I'm so sorry sometimes I accidentally switch into Spanish and then like says the line again this is not relevant at all but anyway it just like a lot of the time when people switch between languages if they're not actually bilingual themselves or if they're not like part of the culture that the language is from they don't understand how to transition between it um Hmm. but like man Daniels are so cool. Yeah. <laughs> They're so cool. Yeah. And yeah, I I related so much to what's her name? Joy. Joy. Yeah. yeah. She was very me, you know, queer. Um that that doesn't really like speak the language properly. Mm. But yeah. Neurodivergent. True. Yeah. All the things. But yeah. and her relationship with her mom was like me and my mom for real. Oh, okay. But like yeah, I feel like that movie is very relatable mm. across many cultures and experiences. My favorite thing about Everything Everywhere All at Once was probably how they did the whole everywhere. Mm. Like, just because, like, you look at other things that have done multiversal stuff. Yeah. You look at fucking Doctor Strange. That was shit. That was so dog shit. Were, there were five realities. In one awful. of them, he's got a different costumes. In one of them, Oh, he does get married. In one of them, he goes evil. Mm. But in everything, everything, all at once, like, they do just change so everything. much. Everything. Everything a lot changes of it is, everywhere. Yeah, a lot of it is, you know, exploring, like, the different philosophies yeah. of where Evelyn's life could have mm. gone. You know, whether she was famous, whether, like, she was just, like, independent, whether she yeah. was the one in a queer relationship. Yeah, that, was, that one was really... Like... A lot of people shit on that segment, like the hot dog fingers. Like, I get it, it's stupid, it's cringe, a little bit. But it's, like, kind of meant to be like that. It's cute. And it's cute, and it's corny, and I love it. Like, I, I will eat it up every it's time. It's literally corny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. But also, like, the thing I really despise about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is, like, it just, like, epitomizes my issue with Marvel at the moment. You've got a concept as big as the fucking multiverse. Like, there is... It is a multiverse. And you look at the comics. They do it so much better. There is, like, infinite possibilities. And the possibility you think of is evil Doctor Strange. That's all you think of. That's it. Are you serious? And then, like, the queer representation of that movie is a little badge on what's her name. What's her name? She was the most boring. I'm so sorry. (laughs) She was so boring. Yeah. Um, she had the little pin and her moms were gay in a flashback sequence. Yeah. Like, 
that's Marvel's idea of representation. That's Marvel's idea of a multiverse. That's Marvel thinking of all the possibilities. That's as far as their brain can stretch. Right? Think, that's my biggest issue. I think they're stuck in this stuck. phase of, ooh, crossovers made yeah, us a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Like throwbacks to like other characters, like other IPs. Ooh, if we throw in like the original Professor yeah. X, that's going to bring people to the cinemas. I mean, yeah. sure, it will, but what will they take away after yeah, they're done they're gonna watching the Yeah, they're going to take away film? that this is a, a nothing movie where nothing happens. It's like yeah. the, the anti-everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, like, everything everywhere all at once, that's not only about, like, the multiverse, but it's about how, like, no matter where you go, yeah. like, you know, love is still important. Exactly like, Family right. is still important. And... The way they did the villains is so different as well. Yeah. Because in Doctor Strange, oh, she can't be with her kids, but she's going to go to a different reality to be with her kids. Even though in WandaVision, she came to terms with, like... Yeah, she literally... That's, not oh, my God, I forgot about that whole arc. Like, she had her whole character arc in WandaVision that she... Okay, hey, buddy. That she, like, overcame that. And then Marvel's like, actually... Evil Wanda. What about that? They're just yeah. throwing shit at the wall. Hang on. Doctor Strange, he's kind of like a wizard. <laughs> and Scarlet a witch. witch. Oh no my god. That's genius. Write that Write down. Write that shit down. This has legs. But, like, it's just... Uh, I think that's why Everything Everywhere is also so important to me. It's like... That movie was made on, like, for... A feature film on a nothing budget. Like, like for that scale. For that scale, the scope of the film, yeah. 10 million, is fucking nothing. Like, yeah. Um, and the fact that it can do all these things on that budget, while these Marvel blockbusters that have, like, hundreds of millions of dollars put into the, that bullshit... CGI. CGI. Awful CGI <laughs> as well. Like, like, dozens and dozens of that CGI fucking, workers. That third eye at the end of the movie, oh my god, that looked awful. <laughs> like, that was so bad. Spoilers. But, like, Doctor Strange grows an eye, and it looks horrific. It looks so bad. And also every... culturally insensitive. <laughs> yeah, really questionable The eye decision. of Vishanti. Okay, alright. Hmm. I, I think we know what we're talking about. Hmm. And everything everywhere relied on, like, practical effects. And, like, prosthetics. And it's, like, a return to, like, what filmmaking should be. Creativity and exploration and trying new things and not settling into the same fucking blockbuster formula, which I'm sick of. I hate it. I can't do this anymore. Like, I get what blockbuster's going for. And, you know, back in the day. Yeah. Like, it did start from a story perspective. It did. You look at the OG blockbusters, like... Jaws. Jaws, or, like, Robocop, or Indiana mm. Jones. Mm -hmm. Sure, they were entertaining and, like, big budget and stuff. But at the end of the day, like, they wanted it to be an engaging story. And they wanted something to be said out of it. Yeah. Like, Jaws... I fully went into Jaws expecting it to be, like... A corny dog shit movie about a town fighting a shark but it was actually quite powerful and really like fascinating the way like it was shot really well um it was visually interesting it wasn't like bland marvel compositions <laughs> these days mm. um and the story was engaging and it actually said something and all these like high concept blockbusters back in the day came down to simple stories that people wanted 
like people would be engaged with easily and not just engage with but would get engage with throughout and yeah. i think marvel is relying too much now on the original cast of characters they've established to try anything new or to say anything different and it's it's no it's not giving it's not giving in jaws you don't even see the shark nah. until like halfway through exactly. the movie like, like the how... first half of the film is just about establishing like the politics of the totally. town how it's the so cop fits into it yeah his like relationship with his family and then it becomes about the shark exactly it's saying and it's not even really about the shark it's no, about like, not at all. these men yeah trying to like reconcile themselves their hubris the yeah their entitlement mm. like the and they're all entitled in like different ways <laughs> exactly right and it makes it so much fun and it's such a simple concept that they really realize to its fullest whereas marvel has a lot of half-baked concepts that are not realized at all they just yeah. chuck them in there see what sticks like thor love and thunder okay <sighs> fuck that movie first of all not even taika can save it but like why did they have christian bale be his fucking amazing talented self in that movie be the only interesting character and have him in there for like what 15 minutes total less mm, yeah. less five if minutes even, yeah like, Gore is such an interesting villain for Marvel that we haven't seen in a very long time. They got a brilliant actor to play him. And they used him for what? Nothing. In, like, they sacrificed his screen time to get a scene of Natalie Portman and um, Chris Hemsworth making out. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. You forgot the name for a second. <laughs> fuck, yeah. He's just Thor. a guy. Yeah. Thor. Yeah. But, like, ugh, I can't. I don't want to think about it anymore. I mean, that tells you something, the fact that, like... You know, Chris Hemsworth is known more as, like, Thor Mm -hmm. than as, like, an actor. He's not an actor. I don't care anymore. He's not an actor anymore. (laughs) Fair enough. Like... He's a Marvel product. Yeah. I like Tom Holland, but he's a Marvel product. Yeah. Like... Like, I don't know, like, I personally was very let down by Taika in, like, Thor Love and Thunder. Me too. Because... Ragnarok was yeah. so much about like the mythology was so much about mm-hmm. expanding it was rich it was rich it was so much about like developing Thor's character and his and yeah. Loki's relationship exactly. and going into like hell going into like Surtur yeah like all this shit like properly like Fenrir got screen time yeah whereas like in Love and Thunder you have you have them go into this gigantic Citadel, yeah. which is full of apparently all these gods. And then you see nothing. And you just get this, like, banter with Zeus and that's You get it. a banter with George Columbaris, essentially. <laughs> like, what is going on? Like, what am I watching? Why am I watching Russell Crowe do a suspicious <laughs> Wong accent? Like, what is this movie? It's not okay. I was hoping there to be, like, an actual, like, debate between, like, different, you know, gods of different religions. Yeah, and then it was nothing. And then at the end, it's like, Hercules, Hercules, <laughs> do whatever the fuck. I forgot the line was. But it's like, and first yeah. of all, if you, okay, this is like a minor thing, but like, it, even this frustrates me. Like, it's about Greek gods, and they still call it Hercules when the Greek <laughs> name is not, it's Heracles, it's yeah. not Hercules. Like, yeah. even shit like that bothers me. And I, I just. It's Disney. It's, they're not trying. <laughs> they're just not trying anymore. No. And I don't even want to talk about it. I've had enough. No more. <laughs> Please. I was going to say one last thing. I think, <laughs> like, 
Sorry. <laughs> I think the thing that annoys me the most about it is that it reflects just how scared studios are to take risks these days. A million percent. They just want to bank on... Like, that's Disney's entire model, is they want to bank on already established mm-hmm. intellectual property mm-hmm. and just sequel the shit out of it instead of, like, trying to take risks with, like, new, original, Definitely. provocative, interesting stuff. And, I don't know, like, I'm just worried it's spreading to, like, other areas of the industry. Mm. And I just hate it. Yeah, I resent it. it. I resent it. I resent the trend of live-action sequels. I resent the trends of... Remakes, you mean? Yeah. Not sequels, yeah, remakes. Remakes, but, like... Anime remakes. Stop that. Stop that. It's even, like, stretching into games. Like, when games are remastered and remade. Like, sometimes they just remake them for no fucking reason. Are they, like, six They're, like, perfectly fine. (laughs) Yeah, just... I don't know. I don't know, man. It's just... It's it's spreading. And I guess maybe just as a little thread to bring it back to everything everywhere. Everything everywhere is my hope for the direction of movies in the next ten years. Like, mm-hmm. I hope that studios see the sweep it's had on Oscar nominations. They see that shit and they see the effect... Oh, that was freaky. They see the effect it's had on audiences. They're listening. <laughs> yeah, they're fucking listening, alright? And they realise that they can't get away with this lazy shit anymore. Even, like, Avatar 2 had something more compelling to say than... Oh, you saw Avatar 2? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Something more compelling to say than a Marvel movie. And I don't even like Avatar that much. Okay. I mean, what would you say? I don't care if you spoil it. No, no, no. I don't want to talk about okay, it. Okay. Sure. I've had enough. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. Because I think A24, to their credit, do actually care about doing things that are, you know, off the cuff and aren't just, like, your mainstream yeah. bullshit. Like, and... But I do They're actually... a small studio? Yeah, they're a small studio, but I do think that, like... People still treat A24 like it's like a little indie studio. But A24 is responsible for some of the most incredible, like, impactful films of the past, like, what, five, ten years? More. I'd More say. than that. Yeah. So, like... Midsummer was not... Hereditary came out, what? 2018. Oh, that's actually... That's recent. Never mind. No, but, like, um... Oh, my brain is not working right now. But they've they've been consistently producing good content. Like... There are some, there's some shit in there. Like, don't yeah. get me wrong. Oh, yeah. There's shit everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, like, people need to stop treating A24 like it's a little indie thing. Because it's not. It's, no. <laughs> they're, they're making really, like, popular, powerful films. Like, Bo's Afraid, the movie that's the new movie by Ari Aster, who did Hereditary in Midsummer. It's got nice. fucking Joaquin Phoenix in it. And it's their biggest budget movie or something like that. Don't quote me on this, but sixty million, I think oh, shit. they're putting into it. That's a lot. Um, so they're not; they have money. Yeah, I think they're just like but, very like. But they're taking risks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think they take the time to like. I don't know how. However, the fuck their like corporate structure, mm. whatever works, but whatever their decision making process is. Yeah. Which goes into producing and deciding what films get made. For sure. That I think they've got like something there. 
definitely. Because like when I saw like Moonlight and that was what like yeah, that's thirteen. That's what I was thinking of. 12? Twenty. No, it was like twenty fifteen, I think. Oh, okay. Anyway, yeah. yeah. See, when I watched that, I was like, "Hang on, yeah. what's what's a twenty four? What is yeah. this? This this is pretty good." And yeah, like it was just like a queer film that something like I've never seen before. Yeah. Like, it it didn't have all of like you know like the boring tropes. Yeah. And it was actually like documenting different stages mm. of this black man's life it wasn't just you know like a bunch of like white teens in high school yeah it was it was interesting which we've had enough of <laughs> yeah and don't get me wrong like it's cute but i don't know something about moonlight was just like so compelling i don't think i think that was like the first movie i cried to really? in years when wow. i watched it yeah 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 i don't know i'm a big crier I oh, just nice. be crying left and right. It doesn't take a lot for... Actually, it doesn't take a lot for a movie to make me cry, but it takes a lot for a movie to make me really sad. Okay. Like, really devastated. Like, right. like when I watched Drive My Car, I didn't necessarily violently sob, but that movie devastated me. Like, I... Those are the films that are the most important to me that leave this, like, overwhelming, um, like weight on my shoulders it also like just so happens coincidentally that men without women is one of my favorite books of all time um but yeah that movie just messed me up like in a way that only a few other films have which is like um the tale of princess kalgia and harold and maud oh maud is really cute those those movies like I think changed my perspective of filmmaking like entirely Whoa. like the tale of princess kaguya most underrated ghibli film um by isao Ta- takahata not taka tako ta brain takahata <laughs> not takahara i think i keep mixing it up i mean i trust you anyway yeah. he is my favorite ghibli director he did grave of the fireflies he did only yesterday um yeah isao takahata He's so cool. And, but like, man, just, like, that's my takeaway. I want people to watch that movie because it's, like, no one's seen it. Like, well, not no one's seen it. It's just... It's just not as well known as Miyazaki films. Yeah, 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 for sure. If it's not Miyazaki and if it's not, like, a upbeat one, like, not many people have watched it because a lot of people still, unfortunately, view animation as, like, a kid's medium which is really sad mm. and um, just often means that animation is underutilized. But mm. I think it's really, yeah. I personally know. think like animation is harder to pull off than live action because you oh, can do like so much percent. with it. You can do like, so much. You have much. so much more freedom and that means you have like so much more responsibility. For sure. Because have you, have you seen Perfect Blue? Yeah. Oh, the animation Perfect Blue it's is gorgeous. So good. It's like, incredible. You couldn't do that as like a live action film. I mean, you could try, but like Actually, it wouldn't have the same effect. I think Black Swan. Oh, okay. Is so. I I don't know. I'm not too well informed, but I'm pretty sure Black Swan is inspired by Perfect Blue, and a lot of people resent that. They think that per- Black Swan is just like a remake, but I think they're both very distinct films. Um, but anyway, I think what Perfect Perfect Blue did what it wanted to do perfectly. 
as the title suggests. I don't know. I just thought it was really fascinating. Yeah. Just the way that, like, her meltdowns are done and yeah. all the things they do with the mirror yeah. and her costumes and Ta- obviously, oh, the, like, costumes the colours. Yeah. They're, they're so clever. It's really cinematic. It's and I think so people beautiful. forget that animation can be cinematic. Like, mm. I don't know. Especially when we see, like, Disney shit. Like, what is what is Strange World? <laughs> like... They had no advertising for that movie. It's just a perfectly mediocre film. But I've like, seen it. yeah, exactly. Did you even know it existed? No. There you go. It was in I, cinemas. Is this one of the? Oh, because I was gonna. No, was it wasn't ask, a straight to Disney like, Plus. Like they right. did, they didn't market it at all. I I reckon because it's my overwhelming theory that Disney is racist and homophobic because it's stars. I'm pretty sure it's a black cast, like black family, and the protagonist is queer. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, so it's good for that aspect, but also they didn't advertise it at all. Yeah. But do they get turned into non-human things? Like I, so many people of colour in Disney I films? I don't recall. I only watched like 20 minutes. Okay. Because, yeah, you look at like, you know, Princess and the Frog, Brother yeah. Bear. Brother like, Bear. <laughs> friggin... Yeah, Soul, um, Emperor's New Groove. Yeah. Why do they always get turned into animals? people of color can exist unless they're animals i mean they're not as relatable unless they're animals right (laughs) don't put shit in my mouth (laughs) it's okay you don't i didn't say that you don't work for disney you're fine no um but yeah yeah there's so many things that back on the remake and adaptations thing that can be really good if they were animated like Like, I was really disappointed that they didn't animate the Sandman. Because the yeah. comics are beautiful. And the, the show is so bland. Dave Gibbons' art just, like, elevates the writing so much more. And not only did they, like... Like, I've seen live-action remakes that stay true to, like, the style of... Yeah. Even, like... Hold on. I'm trying to think of a good example. Good Omens stays, to me, faithful to the novel... And maintains its, like, in its style, visually, like, its lightheartedness. And I know Good Omens is not a comic, but, like, for the Sandman show, even the styling of the characters was bland. Like, the Sandman himself is so freaky looking, like, in the comic. Yeah. He's meant to be something ethereal, like, his hair is meant to be, like... Freaky, spiky, huge hair. It's meant to be, like, the darkness, and his eyes are meant to, like, be stars. Uh uh-huh. And then in the show, he's just some emo guy. Oh, Dave Dave McKean, whoops. He's just some emo guy. Like, he just has a comb over, and that's it. I mean, he is meant to be emo. No, but, like... But he's just, like... He looks like a generic... He's the wrong emo. He's, like, a 2005 Panic at the Disco enjoyer. Like, (laughs) that's what his hair is giving in the show. Mm. But, like, I don't know. The only good part was Corinthians, and I ignored the rest. It was not great. My favourite... Yeah, thing about Sandman is like the endless, yeah. just the way they characterized. And okay, one thing I will say is that the casting is good. I don't know about that. I mean, maybe not from like a performance perspective, but like as far as like representation. Oh, goes, visually. Oh, representation. Yeah, yes, like that yes, they cast like death. Agree. As like a black woman, especially, you know, because agree, of how agree. much like Egyptian iconography she wears. Yeah. 
it's much better that they, you know, didn't, didn't have see like some a random white pasty chick. chick. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, like, the Endless story is, like, so good. And part of the fantasy for me mm. was helped by the fact that it was comic. Mm. Like, I don't know, I don't know yeah, about you, but, I like, when something's live action, it doesn't yeah. feel as fantastical it's to like me. like the shitty Hellboy. Um, oh, yeah. With fucking, what's his name from Stranger Things? Who? David Harbour. Oh, okay. He's Hellboy. Oh, shit. Okay. So bad. I'm so sorry. Aww. Any David Harbour stands for that movie is abysmal. I mean, he's he, he's a good actor now. Um, I think that was the most recent Hellboy adaptation. Oh, oh okay, attempt. right. I think yeah. the OG Hellboy. No, no, like the most recent attempt that was like CGI and shit. It was like awful. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like Mike, Mike Mignola's art is so stunning oh, throughout yeah. Hellboy. And his contrast is fucking ridiculous. And then you've got... Because you can do that with, like, cinematography. Yeah. But, but it's it's not there. No. I, I don't know why, but the West feels like if they make something live action, it'll make it more real. Yeah. Whereas so many times it does the opposite. But, oh well. Yeah. Yeah. There are better book to film adaptations than there are comic to film slash TV adaptations I feel like but there is like a fine line because it depends what you change as well like if you are doing a book to film adaptation it really depends on how you use the source material like I don't know like I personally think June the latest one is a really fucking good adaptation I think the way they did the um, whole like scene in the beginning with the the gom gom jabara, gom jabara. Yeah. yeah, I think the way de- they did that visually was insane. Like I yeah. thought that was perfect. I mean, that was pretty much like taken from the book. Yeah, but like visually, I'm saying like what? I, yeah, they represent it exactly yeah. how I it was. How it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it was like they plucked it from my brain. Mm. Um, but also throughout, it did also have its own visual style that perfectly related to the themes of June. Whereas I feel like some visual adaptations just, like, go for it and don't even bother to adapt the style. Yeah. I think Drive My Car is a perfect Murakami adaptation. Okay. I think it's, like... I don't know how to describe this, but when I watched it, I I had this overwhelming feeling that, like, it looks like how Murakami writes. And I don't know if that's just me being a fucking freak who loves his writing... But I had this, like... I mean, it does make you a freak, in general, if you like his writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. But, um... I feel like... There's, like, this term that I use, which my extension to English teacher once said. Um, it's called, like, de- deceptive simplicity. It's this idea that you can have this really, really simple story, which it is. Drive My Car is incredibly simple. It's about an actor who's dead wife cheated on him and he's coping like oh it's the subtext that really sells the story and sells the film to me and even like the composition of the shots was nothing like crazy but i it always feels like i don't remember who described it to me like this but i've stolen it and i've used it ever since but reading murakami and even when I was watching this film, it feels like you've walked into your bedroom, but someone's, like, moved everything, like, 
five centimeters to the right. Oh, okay. So yeah, you're yeah, just yeah, walking yeah. around bashing into things, but you're, yeah. you can't tell what's wrong and you can't figure out what's different. Yeah. That's how I feel reading his writing. And that's how I felt watching the film. There's like, like an underlying, like, unsettling yeah, thing. Yeah, not you even. Know, you can't yeah, can't pick it. it. And even I remember there's this one shot in the film where he's coming out of the lift, like, to go to the apartment. And it's not centered. Like, it's on this weird angle. I was like, something's up here. I can't look at this. And that crazy scene where the lights are off, where they're walking in the mirrors and you can't see, like... Yeah, I that. Love is that. so Murakami. I love that. And, like, I especially loved how they juxtaposed that totally with the earlier bit of him walking in on his yeah. wife and her lover mm-hmm. and yeah like he sees them in the mirror yeah but her eyes are closed yeah so she can't see him yeah i think it's some to me like there's also something really like japanese about the film mm. because it's I mean, not it is it is <laughs> Japanese. But also, like, <laughs> the fact that, I guess, like, the sobriety of it, mm. like, they don't, there's so much subtext because, you know, Japanese society is, like, so polite. Like, there's, it, it's, there's, mm. like, nothing, he doesn't, like, break down or whatever until, like, the very end. He's still trying to hold it and he's I still think, trying to, like, mm. put on, like, a brave face. Yeah, I, I get that. Even when he's, like, seeing the, you know, the dude that, like, his wife cheated on with. Yeah. I think the film thrives in what's left unsaid. Yeah. And I think that's what really sells it for me. And that's why I'm gutted it didn't win the Oscar. Yes. The, the things left unsaid between lines. That's the part that I love. Mm. About his writing. About drive my car i'm really interested to see more of the director's work i haven't seen anything else now i want to watch everything yeah um do you know scare uh, hamaguchi. hamaguchi yeah he's really cool clearly um oh he did happy hour apparently which is good oh i haven't seen that yeah and wheel of fortune and fantasy mm, i've heard of that too yeah i've heard that's pretty good um yeah but yeah interesting and the adaptation i think is brilliant like it didn't stick entirely to the story but it see i, I like that i love the way it did it and it because i think they did it in a way to make the themes work for a screen like they ad- adapted it in a way that makes the story work as a film if that makes sense where some people just do like adaptations they change everything just for fun or they leave everything exactly the same because they can't be bothered thinking of anything new yeah, I read somewhere that a film is like a book, but inside out, mm. in the sense that like when you're reading a story, often you know it's first person, and you're in their head. Yeah, you're like reading all their thoughts and stuff. Whereas in a film, all that has to be outside, right. and you need to use that to figure out what's in their head. Mm. And yeah, in Drive My Car, like the whole time you're just like. You just want to hug Kafuku. You're yeah. like, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. He's more of an asshole in the story. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah. I, I didn't like the story as much as like the film. Mm. Like you don't sympathize with him as much because yeah. I mean, you know, it's Murakami, so he's all about like asshole men. Asshole men. That's the whole point of the men without women. They're all cunts. <laughs> yeah, because like yeah. he spends like, because in the film, the whole you know drive with the 
cheating dude mm. is a moment of catharsis for him. Yeah. But in the book, he spends all this time. Like, in, in the film, it's just one encounter. Yeah. But in the book, he, like, sees him, like, day after day trying to, like, ruin his career. Yeah. He gets, he tries to get him drunk just so he can get some dirt out of him. Yeah. And it's a story of revenge, whereas in the film, it's a story of... I don't know if it's a story of revenge. Well, it's not just revenge, but that's part of it. Uh... Whereas in the film, I don't think revenge is a part of it. I don't think revenge is the right word for either of them. For me, it's it's more like... That's his form of catharsis in the book. But I don't think that would have worked for a film. But you can have catharsis and still want revenge. I think... I don't know. I think when I read it... I didn't feel like he wanted revenge as much as he wanted answers. I mean, he did want answers. Because, like... he He's trying to figure out... You know... Mm. parts of his wife that weren't known to him but were known to her other lovers. But at the same time, in the book, I definitely got a sense of possessiveness, Mm. which I didn't really get as much in the film. I don't know if that would have worked in the film, though. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. Which is, you know, like, again, a credit to the filmmaker. Which is Ryunosuke Hamaguchi. Yeah. Very cool. But yeah, on the whole, the whole film, that was my pick for Oscar yeah. last year. This year my pick is Everything Everywhere. Um, just because I want people to watch that movie and um, recognise, even if they don't like it, recognise that it's a huge creative and cultural feat. I mean, if you haven't seen it, like I don't know what you're doing. It came out like more than a year ago. Yeah, but it's doing a rerun. In nice. cinemas, now that's Oscar nominated. So, fuck yeah. Nice. Everyone needs to watch more of the Daniels. Everyone needs to also see Swiss Army Man. That oh, movie's yeah, I was fucking ask. fire. Swiss Army Man. Yeah, that's the Daniels' other movie. It has Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dano. Oh, I like Paul Dano. Yeah, and Daniel Radcliffe plays a corpse. So, if you want to see dead Daniel Radcliffe. Nice. I don't know, why would, why would you want to do that? But, yeah. Why not? Um, I'd watch. I'd, I'll watch for Daniel Radcliffe and anything. He's done so many bad films. I'll watch them all. He's a strange man. I, like I love Now You See Me. I think it's awful. <laughs> the second one with him in it. Oh, it's abysmal. I love it so much. You can watch that movie a million times. I think he's one of my favorite um, weird short British actors. Weird um, short British actor. There's him. There's Martin Freeman. Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. Do, have you seen Bojack Horseman? I love Bojack Do you know Horseman. the bit um, in Hollywood stars and celebrities, do they know things? Oh, what do they know? Do they know things? Let's find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that episode with Daniel Radcliffe and Bojack on the show? Do you remember that? No. It's so fucking... This is so... We don't even need to record this. I just want to... It's fine. Just need to tell you about this now. It's like... I saw this in like 2017, Okay, well, the episode is like... They're on the episode of Mr. Peanut Butter's show. Yeah. Like, which is Hollywood stars and celebrities, blah, 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 blah. And um, Bojack and Daniel Radcliffe are on it. Daniel Radcliffe doesn't remember Bojack's name in the beginning of the episode. Then at the end of the nep- episode, um, <laughs> there's, like, a huge pile of money for charity, right? And if they get the answer wrong, it goes up, it burns. They'll burn the cash. And the question given to Bojack is, um, what is the other contestant's name? And Bojack goes, 
Elijah Wood. And, <laughs> and the, the charity money just blow like burns in flames. It's so fucking funny. I always think about that. It makes me cry. <laughs> that show's pretty funny. And then I, I don't remember that same episode where Bojack and Mr. Peanut Butter were making out. I think it might have been that same episode. Oh, okay, nice. On screen, because they had a fight, and then they were making out for views. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it was so and strange. It's actually Daniel Radcliffe, right? Who did the voice acting? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Oh, actually, I'm not. No? I think it is, but there was also an Andrew Garfield dated Sarah Lynn in the first season. So strange. Bizarre, even. Yeah. I mean, I've, it just seems like, you know, an on thing for Daniel Radcliffe to do. He would, I reckon. Yeah, it's him. Hell yeah. I I don't think Andrew Garfield is Andrew Garfield, though. Oh, of course. I don't know. I think there's something British about, like, self-deprecating humour that, like, they just do really well. In what? Like, the British... Oh, just in life? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. I think, like, yeah, their sitcoms just scream, making fun of themselves. Mm. One thing I really liked about um, Drive My Car was just how much time they took with everything. Yeah. There's this whole fucking minute, like, two-minute shot of him just parking his car. Yeah. And just waiting yeah. for the car to be, like, moved and whatever. Mm. I don't know. They yeah. have, like, this automatic thing. And he's just there, just sitting, just being like, another day without my wife. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, my wife, am I right? Yeah. Nah, I just loved... I loved... My favorite shot, I think, is when... They're driving to... Oh, fuck. What's her name? Misaki? Yeah, they're driving to Misaki's home... Hometown. hometown. They're driving along that, that snowy road. And then he decides to reverse to get flowers. Then they keep going. And it's all one shot. And there's no close-ups, nothing. You just watch it happen like you're watching it through a window. I think it's, like, so stunning. Like, mm. ah, Incredible. Incredible. Mwah. Mwah. I think my favorite scene was um, the first time they rehearse in the park. Mm. And you don't see it from like the audience's point of view. Yeah, you see it from, from like the... behind like yeah. the actors. You see it from like as if you were like in the wings yeah. watching like the audience, which isn't the audience. It's react. gorgeous. And then later on when you see the play, then you see it from the audience's yeah. point of view. What a beautiful film. So beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Mwah. 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 I'm so sorry. You okay? Do you want like a chocolate? Nah. What is that? Oh, Kopika. What the fuck? Is that Greek? Not really. There's a this weird Greek chocolate that I'm I... not sure actually. It's coffee flavoured. It looks weird. It's pretty good. Alright. There's this, like, Greek chocolate that my family gets. It's, like, awful. I hate it. So Wait, sweet. is your family Greek? <laughs> In case you couldn't tell. Yeah, I'll stop with that. That behaviour. What is it? The Greek behaviour. No, I mean, what's the chocolate? I don't know. I don't know what's oh, called. Okay. It's just, and it looks kind of like this. Like, the packaging looks kind of similar. Oh, it's like a kind of toffee-esque thing. It's chocolate, but the packaging, it looks like the same logo kind of thing, style. Gotcha. This looks strange. Coffee. Copico. Copico. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, it tastes weird. I know, right? I love it. Ugh. Oh, there we go. It's Indonesian. Oh. 
Yeah. I used to have these a lot. And for years I forgot about them. And Sean was all like, oh, I love Kubica. And I'm like, you know what, Sean? Gross, so gross, gross, gross. Um, okay, so we're going to eat have it. it. Okay. No, I'm good. I don't want to spit it into your mouth. You don't have to spit it. You can just put it in my hand. But it's not romantic that way. <sighs> Again, this is a... This is an audio medium, so... The viewers at home are just going to have to imagine yeah, yeah. that. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to gargle my mouth now. You're going to have to pretend I'm really, really hot. Oh, no. It's what? It's after 3 o'clock. The kids are home. No! No. Surely we've said enough. I mean, we have said enough. Like, in life. Or oh, like in here? life? In life, we've I think said as a enough. person, I've said enough. Yeah, I, I think, think I've just said... Shut up, like... Now I'm just going to take a bow of silence and never say anything again. All right, what's the bet you're going to break it? 20 bucks. What are the odds? 3-1. You must really like this Kabika candy, huh? Wow, okay. Hello? Oh, yeah. Eleni can't come with the phone right now. She's, um, taking a vow of silence. <laughs> oh, no, that's someone else laughing. Don't worry. Yeah. Try. Oh, never mind. She's broken it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try again next, next week. Year. Next week. Um, how, how can I be funny if I don't talk? You can, like, make a silly face. You're right, but I can't see that. Uh, you can describe it. Oh, that's still talking. <laughs> True. <laughs> I'll describe it. You'll describe it. Yeah. Um, you can get up to some antics. It's okay, I'll just, the news. I'll just talk for a little bit longer. You don't have to. Wait, wait. Oh, bonus. This is only for the Patreon Patreon ASMR. Get this ASMR. Gross. I hate ASMR. That's going to be really bad for your teeth. Yeah, my teeth really hurt now. Have you ever been to the dentist? <laughs> yeah. I went to the dentist like the first no. time a few years ago. Really? Yeah, and they were like, you've got cavities. And I'm like, whoops. That's on you. Yeah, it's on me. I haven't been to dentist in like two years. That's a problem. Oh shit! Why? Yeah, just because I need to need to get regular checks. True. It's like True. any GP, any doctor. Yeah, I wish mental health was like that. Yeah. You should. You should. See mental a health support is every... shit. Yeah. Because lacking. especially because like there's like no therapists available a lot of the time or psychologists. Like it's so hard to get an appointment in Sydney. I mean everywhere to be honest. Everywhere, yeah, but especially in, like, CBD, like, there's nothing, like, and even, like, and then once you got a psychologist, even if you don't like them, there's no, like, it's so hard to find someone else that you kind of just, I find I just stick with them, because I can't do anything else, but also, like, fucking diagnosis and help for women is so fucked up, like, I have been seeing psychiatrists for, like, four years, and, like, last year... She, like, we're just having a chat. And I've been telling her about these same problems for years. Like, I can't focus. Sometimes I feel like I can't hear anything when someone's other people are talking to me. I zone out, whatever. I've been telling her the same shit for four years. And she turns to me on, like, one random day. Like, last year. I was like, oh, you have ADHD. I get it now. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, cool. Like, so I could have gone all this time being treated. But instead, you just chose to ignore my symptoms as a depression and anxiety, which is what happens to women all the time. Yeah, I mean, and 
it's also kind of annoying that she's also a room. Yeah, exactly. Because so but all um, like textbooks are not written like for women. Like there's been more research into men yeah. than anything. It's weird. Comes with all health documentation, all health resources. Mm. Sucks. Yeah, that's another thing I liked about everything everywhere, like the focus on mental health. Yeah, I loved it. It was perfect. Yeah, she like Joy literally gets too much of everything <laughs> everywhere mm. all at once. Everything everywhere is more, I think, more absurdist than nihilist. Yeah, yeah. I find. I, I someone described it to me as a nihilist film. I said. And I think that's really true. I mean, if it was nihilist, the bagel would win, right? Yeah. Not only would the bagel win, but everything would be destroyed and whatever. But absurd theory, absurd like the reasoning. Rock scene. That's so absurd. And it's like, you know everything's going to shit, but you still want to exist anyway. Like, that's absurd. Why do we do that? And we do it every day. So, I love, I love it. I think I only understood absurdism last year. Mm. Why is that? <laughs> I watched a YouTube video. Yesterday. Oh, cool! Because I read, because I read um, *L'Étranger* like mm. years ago in high school. *L'Étranger*, the the stranger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Camus. Yeah, yeah. Why yeah, didn't yeah. Uh, the best Camus? I know what you're gonna say. The myth of Sisyphus. Yeah. That's the absurd. That's that is the absurd. That's yeah. the and elite. Le is like applied absurd. Yeah. Well. So I didn't really get it, mm. and my teacher wasn't that good. She was all like, "Oh, the book's about like him dealing with like his his mother's loss and it affects what? his relationship with like women." And I was all like, "Does it?" But there's this whole bit where he like pretends to drown. What's that all about? Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. Like, are you really saying this is about like just his mom? Surely there's more to it. Shortly. But, I don't know, it's a good philosophy. I like absurdism. It's I, very... I apply absurdism to my everyday life. That's how I cope. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think my philosophy is not quite absurdism. Mm. It's, I don't know what the word for it is, but like, rather than not having any meaning in life and being okay with it, mm. you make your own meaning and you're okay with that. Mm. I don't. I don't think that's quite absurdism. It's not really. It's like it's a my, little bit. That's where I stand. It's like an evolution of absurdism. Uh, right. It's not really. There's like a fine line because like it depends on how you define absurdism. Because like Camus kind of defines it like um, the absurd as the conflict between the irrational the rational world we live in with mankind's desire for answers that cannot be answered. Um, that's what he defines the absurd as. Whereas, like... And he also states, like, there are, like, three ways you can escape. There are three ways you can try to find meaning in life. Some people do it through a leap of faith, which is religion, which he thinks is bullshit. You can, um... Oh, Fuck what the other one was pretty sure it's like something about sleeping around don't quote me and then and just like like succumb law? to like desires huh is law one of them no the third one is killing yourself oh <laughs> those are the three options yeah that's the bagel in life this yeah um oh just like hidden and he thinks that, that the one? i'm pretty sure right i'm pretty sure i don't really remember don't quote me okay but anyway 
he thinks all of these things are excuses and doing that is distracting like finding meaning in other things like true meaning in other things is distracting yourself from the truth which is that there is no meaning yeah i think where i stand is i'm okay i accept the fact mm. that there aren't answers that i'm not going to find any answers yeah. but the answers i do find mm. or the answers i am satisfied with yeah i'm content with that good yeah that is good yeah, being content is my only goal in life. That may sound sad, Whoa. but as long as I'm satisfied, then that's all I need. Being perfectly fine. I mean, it's hard. It is. Fu- it's so hard it's to be hard. fine. It's more hard to be fine than it is to be happy or sad. Yeah. Like, I think it's so easy to be resigned or want more. Yeah, exactly right. But to be content. To I be know. completely content. No. I, I don't think anyone is. It out. But. There are days when I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm fine, and that's okay, and that's how you keep going. It's okay to be fine. It's okay to not be good. It's okay to not be bad. Like it's okay to not have like results all the yeah, time. Yeah, it's okay to just be, like just be. That's the most absurd thing you can do. Just chill, fucking chill out. Just sit tight, alright. Sit, sit down. Be humble. Have a little cheeky snack. Have a smoke. Oh. Uh, something, not cigarettes. A snack and smoke. Oh, okay. Hard drugs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Today's episode is no. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was a joke. It was a joke. Jokes, right. guys. Um. Should we wrap it up? Yeah. You want to say goodbye? Um. Or not? You know. I don't. Oh. Okay. I don't know what to say. Um. Thanks. You're welcome. Oh, I wasn't thanking you. Oh, I'm thanking you. Oh. Thank you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you for thanking me. Thank You're you welcome. for being here. Cool. All right. All right.